Join me for a word of prayer. God, take my words and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our will. Set them on fire for love of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, one contemporary challenge to the Christian faith is sometimes the experiences that we read about in the Bible and the New Testament, some of the power that seems to be at work in the people of the New Testament seems to be strangely absent from us. We can find ourselves wondering what happened to the supernatural power of God, which seems to be so present there. Maybe that's not a historic question as much as a geographic question. We may hear of God at work in other places, More may observe God at work in other people, and we may think, Huh, that same power doesn't seem to be at work in my life. We hear biblical phrases like born again, a new creation, the power of God present in your life. And we may simply think that doesn't match my experience. We may find, our asking, may find ourselves asking what has happened to that energy, the power of the gospel. This morning, we're beginning a new sermon series. We'll be in the book of Thessalonians. You may want to turn there. It's printed in your service leaflet. I've titled this sermon series Supernatural. Supernatural because I want to recover and consider with you some of the obvious, uh, clear, and unapologetic supernatural aspects of our faith. So supernatural. This morning, I want to consider the supernatural power of God. Uh, We can outline our thoughts in three Points. First, we're going to look at the source of supernatural power in the Christian's life. Secondly, we're going to look at the impact of that supernatural power in our lives. And third, we're going to look at the purpose of being empowered. Or since we are empowered, what are we empowered to do? So those three points, the source of power, the effect, and the purpose of those empowered. Let's jump right in. Look at 1 Thessalonians verse 5, chapter, chapter 1, verse 5. The source of a Christian's supernatural power. Each one of these words is very important. We're going to spend a little bit of time. Our gospel came to you not only with words, but with power, with conviction and the Holy Spirit. Let's think about each word, the gospel, our gospel. The gospel is, the Greek word for gospel is evangel, and it simply means good news. And this good news is conveyed by words. Our gospel, our good news came to you with words. More than words, but not less than words. Friends, words are important. Words make sentences. Sentences convey thoughts and ideas. In this case, sentences convey news. Good news. Now you'll note there's no description of the good news. We're not told what the gospel exactly is, but I think it's reasonable to assume that the gospel certainly concerns the life and death of Jesus Christ with a special emphasis on his sacrificial death by which he reveals God's love for you and me and offers the way of salvation. We could say much more about the gospel, but that is a pretty safe starting point. The gospel concerns the life of Jesus Christ and the impact of his death for you and me. And this gospel came to them. So the third word I want to consider, our gospel came to you and it came with words. Think just with me for just a moment. The gospel is not something that originates from us. The gospel came from somewhere from the outside. 
A recent book was published by Tom Holland. It's called, the title is Dominion. And it describes how religion has evolved over the, over the centuries. So way back with primitive man, religious, religion's practice was uh, pluralistic and paganistic with many, many gods. Well, we have evolved and with our evolution, so has religion evolved. So no longer many gods, but now just one God. And then that religion evolved, not to a mean, nasty God, but now to a kind, gentle God like we have. You see what the point is? Christianity, the subject of the content of our faith is the product of evolution. And this simply says, no, 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 no. The gospel is not something that you originated within you. It's something that came from the outside. It has a supernatural origin. Its origin is out there from God. Its content is Christ. Its early messengers are the apostles. And that message came from the outside. In other words, you and I did not think up the fact that God became man in the person of Jesus Christ and died a sacrificial death for you and me. That is not our idea. It is his idea. And this gospel came with words and it came with power. The gospel is the hidden source of the power of the Christian's life. You may be thinking, wait, are you suggesting that there is power in this, these simple words which convey this simple news that Jesus died for you and me, that Jesus died for sinners? That's the power? Yes, absolutely. Let me tell you a story. You may have heard it. If so, it's worth repetition. An Archbishop of Paris was preaching in the great cathedral of Notre Dame. He told his congregation a story, a story of three irreverent, godly young men out for a, a day in the city, and they wander into the cathedral of Notre Dame. They make a wager, two make a wager with the one, and the wager is that this one boy has to go to a confessional and make a false confession to the priest. The third boy accepts. The third young man accepts enough to the confessional he goes and tells the priest some sob story of his horrid life and how he just needs to make repentance and amendment of life. The priest becomes privy to uh, this little wager. And he says, you know, for every sin there is a penance. So here's yours. All you have to do is walk out of this confessional and go uh, kneel in front of that crucifix and say, all this you did for me, and I don't give a damn. So that boy exited the, way, exited the confessional, was about to exit the church. When his other two friends said, wait, 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 wait. Before you collect your wager, you have to perform your penance. And so the boy did. He walked up, knelt down, looked up, saw the thorns and the nails, and began, all this you did for me, and he stopped. His eyes filled with tears, voice choked. And there in that moment, an old life stopped, and a new life began. The archbishop looked up at the congregation and said, I know that story because I know that boy. That boy was me. True story? I don't know, but it's a good story. And it, display, it illustrates this point. There's power in the gospel that Jesus died for you.
And the hidden, maybe one of the reasons we don't feel the supernatural power of God in our lives is because we simply, we're looking in all the wrong spots. Second point, let's look at the impact of the gospel in the lives of those who receive it. Now, several places in this first chapter where we're told of the impact of the gospel. Let me list a few. Look at verses 9 and 10. Here is one example of the impact of the gospel. You turn from idols to serve the living God and wait for his son. So a profound reprioritization of life. You were serving idols, now you're serving God. Another example is found at the tail end of verse 6. You receive the gospel with joy amidst great hardship. So joy in the midst of hardship. Yet another example of the gospel. Still in verse 6, you became imitators of us. Meaning those who heard, their lives became, began to look like the lives of those who preached. So daily practical change in life. Third and final, their faith produced work. This is verse 3. Their faith which produced work, their love which produced labor, their hope which produced endurance. Faith, hope, and love, these three attributes you may have heard before, are present in their lives. Yet another example of the impact of the gospel on their lives. Now, each one of these could be a full sermon, but just note the commonality between all of these four examples of the impact of the gospel in the lives of these people. Not one single effect of the gospel deals with anything outside, it's all interior. The the passage does not say that you received the gospel, your hardships went away, and then you were joyful. Oh, that that were the case. No, you received the gospel amidst great hardship. One of the reasons we may not experience the joy, the, the power of the gospel, is we look for its impact in all the wrong places. We want God's power to be to be displayed in His management of the exterior that sickness would be alleviated and hurricanes diverted. And here we have four examples of the impact of the gospel and not one of them applies to anything other than what's going on right here in the interior working of your heart. So here's the point. You will always find it much more difficult yet much more profitable to ask God to be at work in your life rather than being work in the things that are outside your life. And the gospel brings this impact, this change to your life, this effect in your life. How? Well, just consider. God so loved the world is one thing that the gospel teaches us, that he gave his only son. And those who are loved in turn love. The gospel helps us to love. The gospel helps us to hope. Good Friday turned to the tomb of Easter morning. The gospel teaches us faith. That he who did not spare his own son, will he not also give you all things? You see how faith, hope, and love, all these things are the impact of the gospel on the lives of those who believe. Third and final, we've thought about the supernatural source of power. We've thought about the supernatural impact of the gospel in our lives. Third and final, for what purpose are we empowered? 
What is our responsibility? What is the purpose of our empowerment? Let's look at verse 8. The word of the Lord has sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. The word of God sounded forth. That's the word that's used to describe the blasting of a trumpet, the, the clanging of a gong or the peal of thunder. Whether the author Paul is thinking about thunder or trumpets or the clang of a gong, the point is that what they had received, the gospel, was now being communicated with the, with the authority of a thunderclap. This little church was loudly proclaiming what they had just received. The gospel. Their purpose for which they were empowered was for the purpose of evangelization. Now I know that word evangelical is corrupted by our culture and our common usage, but it is an important word because it is a biblical word. The word evangel simply means the good news. And an evangelical is simply someone who has received that good news, regardless of whatever else is added to that definition. And the work of evangelism is exactly what you see happening in this little church. What they received, they were proclaiming. The proclamation of the gospel, the proclamation of Christ's death for sinners is not one responsibility among many for the people of God and for the church of God. It is that one thing that makes us unique. Should the church care for the needs of a hurting world? Absolutely. But is our care for the needs of a hurting world what makes you and me unique? Absolutely not. Many people, many organizations care for the needs of a hurting world. Is our love for one another, our care for one another, what makes the church unique? Is it important? Yes, absolutely. Does it make us unique? No. Many people care for the needs of their organization or organizations care for the needs of its members. What is the one thing that makes the church unique? The one thing that if we lose grasp of, we will simply become redundant. It is this. The church's responsibility to proclaim what she has received. That Christ died for sinners. I began this sermon by asking the question, what has happened to the supernatural power of the Christian faith, which seems to be so evident in the Bible? Maybe you and I do not experience the supernatural power of Christianity because we do not look for God's power where these early Christians found it. They found power in the gospel. Maybe we do not experience the supernatural power of Christianity because we do not expect the power of God to do things that at least in this little church, God did. We want to see God's power displayed in the exterior. And here in this little church, God's supernatural power changed the inward constitution of the church and the members of it. And finally, 
Maybe we do not experience the supernatural power of Christianity because we do not do the things that this church, for example, was empowered to do. To proclaim the word of the Lord like a blast from a trumpet and continue in that evangelizing work which gave her birth. So as we conclude, I just want to reflect with you if any one of those three points has traction in your life. Perhaps you can return to that hidden power of the Christian faith, maybe for the 13th time, maybe for the first time. Consider the power of the gospel, the crown of thorns, the nails in the hands. All this was done for you. Maybe you can reevaluate the expectations of God's power in your life and expect that the power of the gospel to impact what goes on right here more so than what goes on out there. Finally, maybe we can reconsider one of the primary purposes for which we are empowered so that we may proclaim what we have received. For some of us, this may apply to the home as we pass on the gospel to the next, to the next generation. For some of us, this may be applicable to work, not by bringing in a loudspeaker for some frontal assaults on your unsuspecting colleagues, but through your integrity and your gracious speech. The gospel is the hidden power of God for his church. These simple words, which form a simple sentence, that Christ died for you, carry great power. Power which transformed this church from the inside out and enabled this church to speak and pass on what she has received. What, may what was true then and there be true for us here and now.